Yeah, well, you can't really tell sometimes when you go like meet people in LA mm-hmm. and you're networking and you're and you're getting to know people. So the, the rich hipster who doesn't work, uh, mm-hmm. it, it looks a lot like the guy who's made it on his own and and has money. You can't tell the difference between the True. two. Welcome to the Dead Army Podcast, the podcast for both indie horror filmmakers and fans. This is a community, and you can find us at deadharvey.com. And there you can join our newsletter, follow us on social, uh, and sign up for anything else that we have going on there. Our goal here is to light the path for indie horror filmmakers while shining a light on indie horror films. Do we have all the answers? No, we do not, but we have big plans and we're going to figure it out as we go. And hopefully you will be a part of it. I am Ted Stanford and this is Brad Paulson. Um, I'm going to start by, uh, I'm not a political person, but there's been a lot of talk about politics recently. And I was reminded of a story or something you and I talked about a, a, a while ago while we were back in our dead Harvey days and hanging out in LA and we met some kind of bonkers, weird dudes. Um, mm-hmm. And that is... When you're in the creative mode, when you're screenwriting and you're talking about stuff, you end up kind of getting this third person perspective. And obviously there's been a lot of political arguments, a lot of political talks recently. And I've been being in this creative mode with, with getting ready for dead Harvey and thinking about stuff and thinking about indie film again and everything. And it's just kind of funny. I was in a certain conversation and, and I fell into that third party thought of, of like, huh, that's an interesting conversation. Like I, I think I could use that kind of shit in a script somewhere um it's an interesting it's an interesting place to be in and i think you only get into that third party kind of kind of you know point of view when you're in a creative state and i think it's actually a really important thing for creative people to be in uh because if you're not in a creative state you end up being very you know to take things more personally you're kind of more involved with stuff but the more you get creative you can kind of take this bigger view and this third party view of stuff and kind of look at things from a different perspective and i think it's a really important reminder to me that that's why you need to always be creating you always mm-hmm. need to be in that mindset and always need to to uh to just keep your feet moving in the creative mindset because you're it gives you this different perspective that's so unique that not everybody else has absolutely the, the sense of optimism is much more present when you're creative yeah, it also yeah, yeah. It separates you from shittiness too, right? Mm-hmm. Like like what rejection and 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 which is inevitable and and people telling you you're an idiot. When you have this third party perspective, you can kind of be like, "Huh. Well, yeah, that's 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 interesting. That's not how my story ends because uh that doesn't fit in." <laughs> yeah. And it is uh and um LA is a great place to get inspiration for that third person perspective <laughs> because they are constantly auditioning people, crazy people to be a part of their show. Yeah. It's, it's one it's, big, uh, yeah, it's one big reality show over there, even yeah, when the camera's not on. Yeah. And I just thought that was an important thing. And it's, it's, it to, to, to get into that. It's an important thing to keep creating. I think, you know, for every indie horror filmmaker out there, you know, you, you like, even if you're not, if you're in between stuff, keep creating because uh, that's, it's just a good place to be in. Uh, having said that, it's time for you to give us your pick of the week. What's the pick of the week? Okay, well, this is uh, an Irish-British horror movie called Let Us Pray. And this is uh, stars uh, one of the actors from Game of Thrones, Liam Cunningham, and then Polly McIntosh from The Walking Dead. Now, this is all like a very kind of self-contained horror movie. It's about a stranger that comes into a prison, and he basically lets everybody be aware of their sins, and then everybody gets punished for their sins. Uh, this movie is 
really well shot. And it also reminded me of like things we talked about last week, how like the bigger concept, this movie has a larger supernatural concept. And I was thinking that we should set up some guidelines uh, for what works for indie movies. So I was looking at a couple, I was thinking of a couple of these things right here. Like now a movie does not have to have all these elements to be a great movie and be an indie movie. However, we should give them more points for doing this and becoming a great movie because it does give you a few more obstacles to do this, or you have to be more creative. So a cast of five people or under, right? Oh, if you can keep it moving with five people or under. Five or under locations. Uh, So a bigger picture plan in the movie. So like a small budget, but a big idea. That's another one. Uh, Another element to this would be lack of corporate influence. So something that is very, that is clearly very like you know, of an independent mind frame or somebody that has like a, a point of view or a tone or something that they're going for that you tell is not being made by a committee, which is the great thing about independent movies. But that is a big one. The, the, the high concept and in a small location, because you can get away with a small location as long as there's a high concept to it. Like what's the, what was the uh, Ryan Reynolds one? Buried? Buried, is that, uh, buried is probably... The best example that I can think of of that one person in a coffin throughout the entire movie on a cell phone. No other actors are present. He's talking to other people on the phone, but you never see him. You never cut away to any flashbacks. You never cut away to any of his backstory. It's all through him being told, conveying this to the audience. And it works really, really well. Yeah, it it was because it was because they opened up because they had the opening that that established the bigger story. And then when it goes down to it, you're just in this coffin. And think about it. You're just in a coffin. I mean, like like, talk about production value is, is, is way down. But because it was part of a bigger, bigger idea, it totally worked. And you never felt like, I mean, I, I think we only cut away from the coffin a handful of times, but I mean, that's a good example of that where. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But even when they cut away from it, they didn't show any of the outside. I mean, they might've shown some larger overhead shots of that coffin or the area that he was buried in, but they did not go to another location outside. No, but yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Big idea. If it's part of a big idea and you're looking at a sliver of it and it's like all of a sudden that that confined environment doesn't seem so confined and you're not going to get bored in that. But and back to bonus points. Right. Uh, bonus points for practical. Well, if you can do it uh, for any movies for more points, bonus points for practical effects, as many practical effects as you can use more bonus points. If you have a puppet in or a puppet of any kind, (laughs) if you, if you can replace (laughs) CG with a puppet, that's a point. Uh That's, that's winning. Okay. Let me see if I'm missing anything because I can't rely on my memory. Oh, okay. Also uh, bonus points for non uh, Shatner acting. (laughs) <laughs> uh, also bonus points for more than three hours spent writing the script. Um, also bonus points for putting all the money that you spend on the screen. So we could narrow those down, but those are a few of the ideas that I was thinking for would make a great uh, independent movie. Yeah. yeah. And there's the main actor from, uh, not the main actor from Game of Thrones, but uh, Davos or Davos. I can't remember how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Davos from Game of Thrones. He is awesome in this. Mm. He's, he, he Basically, he reminds me of like a character from a Western. You ever see High Plains Drifter? Yep, of course. So Clint Eastwood goes into town. The town is just getting slaughtered by these outsiders that come in. And so Clint Eastwood comes into town and they're like, we got to hire you. He, he gets this gunfight and then everybody realizes he's a badass. So they're like, we got to hire you, man. You got you to help us out here. And then Clint Eastwood goes, okay, well, first uh, uh, send me some whiskey and then I'm just going to do a bunch of things on your dime. And then I'm just going to take my time and watch everybody get bullied around some more. And then he's going to tell the town how to fight back. And then he's going to kind of sit around for a while until it happens, until he goes out to help him. But that's sort of the the vibe that it reminded me of, that High Plains Drifter vibe, that Western vibe, the stranger that comes into town 
and just has complete and just everybody knows that he can see into their past and he can see into everything that they've done that they're guilty for. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really talk that much, but he uh, but he basically brings it all to a confrontation at the end. But he's a great supernatural conduit, though. Oh, and, uh, awesome. And then Tara from uh, The Walking Dead, she's got the weird bangs in that show. Mm-hmm. If you remember her from The Junkyard, yeah. uh, she's fantastic in it as well, too. She's the main cop in the show. So basically, it's this cop that goes for her um, last night, late night on the shift. And it's her first day on the job. All of her coworkers are terrible, along with all the, <laughs> along, along with all the other um, bizarre events that are happening there. But it's a, it's a fantastic movie. It also would be a great double feature with a movie called Last Shift which is also about a cop that works at a police station. This is more kind of satanic stuff happening instead of more kind of Old Testament stuff happening like in this one. Oh, nice. All right. Well, then uh, now we're going to move on to um, what our main story today is, our main our main uh, takeaway. We're going to talk about your path through L.A. and how it all started. In fact, we were talking before the show about where to go we might actually do this as a two-parter because there's there, there's too much to do and then we'll get to me afterwards the, you know what you're going to learn from this one is is, is essentially there are, there are multiple ways to move to la and, and and when when you first get there and to manage your your career um to optimize for indie success once, mm-hmm. once you get there um as you're we saying there's really like we we're saying there's really three ways to kind of move to la and, and one one is you're going to take a shitty job and create yourself some extra time uh, to uh, work on your own projects and try to do your own thing. Two, you're gonna you're gonna take an industry job, uh, but the problem with industry jobs are is you're not gonna have a lot of extra time. Probably not gonna make a lot of money to start, and you're working on other people's projects. Mm-hmm. And, and three is you're gonna be super wealthy, show up there, you don't have to take a job, and you're just gonna get wasted, network, and and try to make your own projects. You opted, even though you had you had chance to take all three, you opted for one, take the shitty job and uh and work on your own projects, although it didn't start that way, right? Yeah, I didn't have the chance to be a rich hipster. That's the one that I wanted to oh, okay well. But because then you could just kind of like sit around and drink beers all day and then <laughs> and then you could and then you could network from a bar. Possibly get anything yeah. done, maybe not. But you don't have a regular crappy job wasting. Your Actually, time. I have to say, having it, it, taken away from your creative spirit. Yeah, well, you can't really tell sometimes when you go like meet people in LA mm-hmm. and you're networking and you're and you're getting to know people. So the, the rich hipster who doesn't work, uh, mm-hmm. it, it looks a lot like the guy who's made it on his own and and has money. You can't tell the difference between the it's two. True. Like 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 if you if there's two people at a bar and one of them and they both say. Hey, you know what? No, I, I got here because I got a script. I've worked the film festival circuit. I, I got a deal here. And now I've kind of like, I'm working on my own projects. Uh, um, and uh, I, I've kind of made it. I'm at the beginning of my career versus the guy who hasn't actually done anything, but has a pile of, of his own money and talks about making projects. They look really similar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's sometimes it's tough. Like I remember going out to meet guys and you, you basically mm-hmm. have to, one of these guys actually is telling the truth. And the other guy is just completely full of shit. That's a good point. It's a constant poker game. So anyhow, you did move when you moved to LA at first. You 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 did take an industry job at first. Yes. So um, now before I moved, um, so basically got the inspiration to move uh, to LA because uh, there was two friends of ours that uh, we went to film school with, and we were decided uh, in Bozeman, Montana, to try and produce a horror movie called Hellbeak, which is about a ghost story that took place in a fraternity, sort of like Friday the Thirteenth, but in a fraternity. 
And so this vengeful ghost that was kind of buried there, and then he came back after everybody. So we had decided that we were going to get everybody together. It was going to we were going to like take out a loan. We were planning on doing like maybe like ten thousand dollars to make this movie. So we were living in a trailer park, trying to produce this movie from a trailer park. And uh, most of the things in Trailer Park Boys uh, are fairly accurate. They're just car- more cartoonish or exaggerated. Um, like the now the part about like like things like with all like the crazy neighbors and everything is accurate, but um, trying to make chicken tenders on a radiator. I haven't tried that before, but I'm sure somebody has, and I'm sure it's probably worked. So we had decided if this was going to work out, we were, we were going to go to LA. So we found this, so we found this cameraman and uh, he was a friend of ours. And we were like, we want to shoot this movie for $10,000. Can we do it? He's like, absolutely. Yes. Let me get some people involved. So he introduced us to this one guy who turned out to be a little bit of shady. He goes, you guys need to go market this at the New York independent film festival. Take your script over there, push it around, sell it, make some t-shirts sell this sell this big so it goes if you guys don't go to the gotham awards there nothing's going to happen you're not going to you're not going to sell anything we're like this guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about let's take his advice let's give him some money and he'll buy these tickets for us and then we'll meet him over at the festival so we go over there um he did not buy the tickets for us and he did not show up he took our money and spent it on cocaine anyways moving on so (laughs) we're we're in new york trying to market this movie all we have is t-shirts we have t-shirts and a script. We thought this was going to work. I don't know if we read some stories and people told us this was going to work or not, but we, we thought this was going to work. So we ended up talking to Joe Carnahan. Now, this is before he did NARC or the A-Team or anything like that. So we ended up kind of, he you know, he had helped us promote it. He was like, oh, these these guys with the shirts and, and they're going to sell this movie. And so we had this buzz that our movie had already been sold because we had another guy that was there that said he was going to help us produce it. So he was going to get the money for us. So people thought that we had already sold it. So what happened is the our producer, who was supposed to get the money for us to make this movie, he ended up um, going into a bathroom, uh, doing some mushrooms, and going on a strange journey <laughs> where he met this girl at a party, and she told him a story about her movie, so he decided to make her movie instead. Uh, and the so- interesting thing about that story, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the interesting thing about that story is though, there's a, there's an alternate universe where it actually worked out and how we got made. Like, like some of that is not too, like I've all, I've heard stories where something similar, like I Mm -hmm. heard a story once. I remember when I first moved to LA, there's one of the guys that we went to film school with, or or it was probably even more separated. Like one of the guys we knew to film school with Mm -hmm. who knew somebody, but he basically showed up with a pile of money. And instead of actually dragging it out over a year, was just like, I'm going to spend this on parties and I'm just going to meet everybody (laughs) I know. And I'm just going to spend up bar tabs and just go spend a pile of money. And he ended up actually doing a project because of that, because, you yeah. know, like, like it's, it's not too far from the truth. I mean, what you're saying is like of all the guys we've met and, and some of them, like you said at the beginning, some of them are, are real and some of them are not, but they all kind of act the same. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and this, the way these guys act, you still don't know if they were real or not. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's totally possible <laughs> that had, had he not met that chick that, that, that movie gets made. <laughs> so we, so we come back from that, not ended up raising any money. And we're like, you know what? We're still going to get a loan. We're still going to make this movie on 10 grand. And so the camera guy goes, well, you know what? I've been talking to some people, uh, all people that I'm getting together for the crew for you. And I've decided we just can't make this for, for 10,000. It's like, well, how much do we need? And he goes, yes, want like hair and makeup and other people on to be on the crew. And I was like, hair and makeup. Um, I mean, we could just have people look shitty or something like the guys, this is very important. And he goes, you need to spend this extra money. Well, how much extra? He's like, well, it's going to be about like 20 grand now. So three weeks later, it went from 
10,000 to 70,000. And I don't know where he thought that we were supposed to come up with that money. I think I was working at Perkins at the time. So uh, we were like, well, we're going to have to call this movie off. And everybody got pissed off at us and started yelling at us, telling us about like how we we're going to put them out of work and everything. We're like, guys, do you realize how low budget we are? Uh, you've just escalated the budget from 10,000 to 70,000. We can't make this movie. So and now red light, it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we, we canceled it. And then we're like, you know, what would be a good idea. Let's go to LA and try and make another one like that. And so it was really all because of Hellwick. One one project yeah, mm-hmm. we thought if you go there, it's gonna it, it'll it'll all happen. Oh, here's another stupid thing that we did that I'll throw in real quick. So we don't ever do this whenever you go to a, to a festival or anything. Well, don't do pretty much any of the things that I mentioned, but this this other thing on top of it. Um, so there's all these people at the festival, and uh, there was one of the guys that was there who had discovered. Um, Kevin Smith. He had like gone into one a screening of clerks. I think it was at the Angelica theater or another theater like that. He had seen the screening and he had talked about how, how great it was. And so that kind of blew that movie up. So there was all these people that were waiting there to talk to him. And there was one guy that was crowded. So all these people were in this big circle around him and they were all pitching him his ideas. There's another guy there with a microphone and he's recording everybody's ideas. He's like, hey, what's your pitch? And what's your pitch? And so we told him ours. And then we looked in this. So this was after we got back and it was several months later, we looked in this magazine and they had an option about a movie that had sold and it had the exact same idea that ours had. And I don't know if they ever actually made that movie or not, but um, um, the one producer that ended up uh, giving uh, or telling the girl that he was going to make her movie instead of ours, he goes, you guys should try and sue them. But then we were too lazy Basically, to actually yeah. do anything well, about it. And that like, is not going anywhere. anywhere. You know how <laughs> yeah. often I, I, I can't count the amount of time. Well, I mean, the funny thing is I remember we were pitching a script once and we got some interest in it. And the guy was like, we had this producer on. He was like, okay, that's good. And we were kind of moving along. And he was like, just so you know, he goes, there's a warehouse somewhere in LA. And it's like, there's a stack me high of scripts that are very, very similar to this. He's like, that's <laughs> why you have to be very careful about where we, where we go next, because he goes, just, just because you did it, you think it's original? Right. You might think it's the most original idea on the planet. I'm telling you, it's been done a hundred thousand times. Already. Yeah. There's warehouses of scripts that are, that are similar. However, I also, I also have noticed every once in a while when you talk about ideas and you talk to people, the people that somehow you you read later and you see, make some connection. You're like, huh, sounds a lot like the, uh, the idea we were talking about, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but okay. Anyhow, yeah. continue. Okay. So anyways, um, so moved from uh, Montana to LA and then I almost get killed in traffic several times. So if, if you're going to move from a small area to a big city, get some practice driving first so you don't get slaughtered on the freeway because there's uh, multiple lanes of traffic that you have to get used to. And if you only have like two lanes of traffic and and some like couple of cows walking by for scenery and like nothing on the horizon except for just Autobahn sort of road, um, yeah, to get some practice driving and the things. Yeah, when I, and oddly, when I drove to LA, when I drove to LA, my car blew up. I had a truck. Yeah. It, it, it actually <laughs> blew up in Vegas on the way. It, it was too hot. It, it, uh, something happened. I was firing on, I was firing mm-hmm. on an odd number of cylinders when we, when I showed up in LA. Yeah. yeah. So, um, a good thing. Oh, okay. So here would be, um, some advice as to what to do that's uh, opposite of what I did when you moved there first. So I had about $3,000 saved up before I moved there. Uh, have at least $10,000 moved up there. Find a place to stay. Hopefully somebody that can let you stay with them for a while. So you can, it's going to take you a while to find a job now, even longer. Now you're probably going to be driving for Uber or um, 
or Lyft now that they ended up uh, fixing it. So well, actually, they, the guy I stayed with, it. now that I think it, uh, sorry, the guy, now I remember the guy I stayed with, Dennis. Mm-hmm. You remember Dennis? Mm-hmm. He was a taxi driver. I remember I lived with him. I lived mm-hmm. on, in his living room underneath a table yeah. for, for a few months. Um, and he was driving a taxi at the time mm-hmm. and that was his thing, but he would go drive a taxi and then come back and then we'd talk about film shit and everything. But, uh, but that was, yeah, the, 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 well, that's the new thing. I don't think there's as many mm-hmm. taxis. You'd be a, you'd be an Uber driver now. Yeah. Uber or Lyft driver, because I mean, you can't really, it's going to be very difficult to wait tables there now yeah. because most of the restaurants are closed. Half the business is gone. They can only seat 50% of the people. So, yeah. I mean, the virus is really, I mean, unless you make like straight up uh zombie apocalypse and movies with nobody in them it's going to be very very yeah. difficult like for for those jobs but yeah. um so one of the so one of the first jobs i ended up doing well i started as as an extra there so i started doing some some yeah, a lot of people work. do that a lot of people mm-hmm. a lot of people go in because it's easy you can just go in yeah. and sign up to be an extra and you you, you you're kind of managing your own time a little bit <laughs> it's actually a great way to to meet a lot of people um because you'd have nothing but downtime so you have everything to do. You can just kind of like sit around and wait for the food to show up. And then the catering is always usually pretty good. And it's usually pretty boring unless you, unless you, um, you know, you meet some kind of like fun people to hang out with, but did uh, a bunch of that. And, and then found out kind of like what the, I remember I got kind of soured because it seems like in those high budget movies, seems like there's a few people having fun, but there's a lot of stress with other people that are involved. And the whole thing is run sort of like a, a military regime. Like there's this whole hierarchy, discipline, and and uh, it, it, this uh, all like the generals and lieutenants laid out and everybody's has commands they need to follow. And it didn't seem like anybody was having any fun. And there was too many people there, too many people there to do things that a much uh, fewer amount of people could do. And so I just kept watching that scene, like, I thought this was all going to be fun. Why isn't this any fun? And independent movies would be so much more fun, or at least we control the environment more. But that's one of the things I noticed that was like, um, even though you meet like a lot of people and it's cool, you seem like it seems on the environment there just a lot of people are like really stressed out. I think it's interesting that a lot of people, especially when they move to LA or other film markets, um, when they try to get that that industry or that in, in, intro job, a lot of people go mm-hmm. to PA, PA work. But yeah. but there is the extra side, which is which is oddly, I know almost more people that started by going as extra sitting in audiences of game shows and things like Mm -hmm. that, because you get paid and a lot of people come in there, they meet other people. Everyone else is in the industry. Everyone else in the audience is in the industry. So it is one way to go to get paid and meet people because all the low budget industry people go, go into being extras and audience members. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now the only downside of it is that like you're, well, I mean, aside from it being kind of, kind of boring is that you only get paid about 50 bucks unless you go more than eight hours a day. Or if you have these things where, you're exposed to the elements or you have to wear a certain costume where they add like a bonus pay for that. Um, but if you become like a SAG part of extra, then which you have to get like three vouchers for, then you can make, then you can make more money doing it, but it's pretty, it's very difficult to survive uh, trying to be a low budget extra. Then. Yeah. So, uh, so from after the extras, mm-hmm. when did you get over to eliminate? So, so I was bartending and I bartended at a, a bar in Van Nuys. Mm. That was kind of fun. Um, because it was kind of like a family atmosphere and it was just like a great low budget job. And then there was another one that was, then I bartended at this bar called the wild cherry. And there was, it was a bar in Chatsworth. That's which where they shoot a lot of porn. And there was a lot of tweakers that would come in there. And I remember like the first day I started working there on my boss, which basically kind of looked like Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction, huge guy. But then he also liked, 
he was a big fan of uh black adder like the british show and he was a big fan of like uh, was a guy that plays um mr bean rowan atkinson he was a big yeah, fan of him yeah. big fan of like british comedies and stuff but he was a marine and he's like i was like well so do you have any um tips about the first day on the job here and he goes well look over there in the mirror because you're going to see when somebody's coming up behind you with a knife I was like, okay. Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Thank you. And then, but yeah, he wanted to make movies too. So like he well, well, he, he was constantly LA, talking. You're in LA, yeah, everybody he was constantly saying, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna get you and a bunch of the other people, a bunch of the other co-workers together. And I want you to be like extras. I want to put you in the movie. And he was always telling me about how he wanted to make like a so kind of like a British comedy. It was kind of funny because he was such a imposing marine type of character. But there was all kinds of like weird tweakers in there falling off the bar. And it was basically like the super depression version of Cheers. Yeah. So, so did you, like at this point, you're just making money. You're not actually thinking about your next project at this point though. Right. Well, I'm just basically trying to survive in LA at this yeah. point. So it was just shortly after this, um, a, f- a friend of mine uh, ended up getting me a job over at Eliminate. Mm-hmm. And so then I worked over there in the reality show uh, business. Which that is, that's an industry job. That's it's definitely a, an industry job. Yeah. It's yeah. an industry mm-hmm. job. But basically like you're, you're a PA. So, yeah. so as a PA, like, Pretty much, this is like one of the main things. One of the first things you hear about being a PA is like, go, you're a gopher, so you go for this, you go for that. Uh, you're at the whims of all the people who are there that are getting paid a lot more than you. They just basically send you out on errands all the time. So pick up things for the uh, pick up things for the location. Sometimes you have to pick up actors, or sometimes you'll have to um, basically just pick up like a lot of supplies for people. And then a lot of it is you're the first one there and you're the last one to leave. And a lot of it is there. People just like talking about this is one of the main things I know is people just sit around and talk about what they're going to have for lunch for like three hours before lunch happens. And then after lunch happens, they can't talk about what they're going to have for dinner because they leave before that. But half the day is spent about what they're going to have for lunch. I always thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was, but there was actually a lot of fun people there. We had started talking about making a movie there, and that's when we decided to make the van, which was the first uh, indie movie that we did, which is an anthology about a van with an evil spirit that possesses people. It was three separate stories that we did, so each one of us did a story for it. Yeah, which was a good. I mean, that was your first indie film there, and I remember it. It got it got it released. You could find it. It was released, but then we have, but then we ended up getting the rights back to us. So we Mm -hmm. we had it for. So we've had the rights back to us for a while, but the rights are with with somebody else for about seven years. So, mm-hmm. what was your overall budget on that one? Oh well, we each I think we each paid for our own. So our own was like I think we each spent like right around a thousand thousand five hundred on each episode. So real real micro, right? Yeah, like real just just grinding it out. So it was total micro. It was and it was this is oh here's a here's a funny thing about that. So <laughs> so we didn't have any equipment for it or anything else like that so we ended up going to to fry's uh looking for cameras and so we're just looking for things to buy to shoot and we don't know like we're looking for something like super low budget so this guy comes over and the fries is this big electronic store and it has like in in la or burbank where we was at it has a big alien ship like through the it always has like these science fiction themes each one of the locations so it's pretty cool but it's the super uh electronic store so we're looking at these cameras and this guy comes over and he goes, uh, can I help you? We're like, yeah, we're looking at like well, making this like low budget movie. And what camera is good for that? He goes, that's funny you mentioned that. Some people come in here, um, but they don't talk about making like just like regular low budget movies or anything. They, they just talk about making pornos. And then they just end up 
taking the camera back like three weeks later and getting a full refund on it. I was like, that's a good idea. Let's do that. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's what we're going to do too. <laughs> so, we, so we, so we made the movie in like three weeks and then we took the camera back to get the full refund. And we did get a lot of pushback uh, when we tried to take the camera back, even yeah. though we returned everything in its proper condition. We, we um, cleaned everything off, like all the fake blood and everything that got on the mm-hmm. lens and stuff. But so we had to see you, a, we had, did have to see a manager to get our money back. So how did you crew up and, and, and cast the van? Um, so we, then we put an ad in like backstage West or something like that um, to get, uh, and then we did like a few of us did know some of the actors, like from the different jobs that we worked at. So it was a combination of that and then putting that and then putting that ad out. And then we did uh, for the van, we did the auditions at a Starbucks. So we were in outside a coffee table and we would have people, meet us up because people like there's like a good thing about auditions is like if you're making a low budget movie don't have people come over to your house because it's it's kind of creepy like especially yeah. if it's actor shows that you're that you're interviewing so we decided well we'll get like um we'll get a location that's like that's like normal out in public so we did it was like it's low budget because we're meeting at a coffee shop but at least it's um but at least it's a like a public space so we didn't have the budget to get like conference room or anything we had to do it in the starbucks table Interestingly, now now taking it because we're, we're we're coming up on where we should probably end and, and mm-hmm. continue next week. But so, how long have you been in LA for this point? Like from from the decision to where Hell Week is not going to get made, and you were going to move to LA, and then you moved to LA, and now you were in in you you finished the first micro indie film, The Van. How how, how much time have you spent in LA at that point? You think? Oh, uh, so I moved to LA right. Um... August 2000. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 2003 is when we made the van. So I was there. So you were there two years before the mm-hmm. first indie project yeah. actually mm-hmm. got made. I mean, yeah. that's an interesting way to think about it. That It's like, because you go there thinking I'm going to dig right into this and get something made, but then, you know, it takes a while, it takes a while just to get your other your, circumstances your, happen. Yeah. 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 And you got to get your, your footing, your footing, right. You got to figure That's out why it's good to save a lot of money before you go there. So that can be your main priority. That, yeah. Unless you're, yeah. like I said, that option three, where you just mm. show up in LA with a lot of money and then, yeah. you know, your path is a little, little clearer and easier. Uh, you're going to have to work a lot of low budget jobs. It's even harder for people now because their rent's even more expensive there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing about LA. It's, I mean, the interesting thing, the good thing is uh, from my time there and your time there and coming down all the time and hanging out, it's like the good thing about LA is how many people are there in indie film. Like you can literally, whether it's a bartending job mm-hmm. or an industry job, chances are the guy next to you is in the industry and, and you're going to, and you're going to network. But it also is like, there is this time period when you go there where it's just about getting on your feet mm-hmm. because it's not like, elsewhere like there it's going to take a while to get on your feet so it's like that timing of getting there saying hey we're going to get a project we're moving to la to to make indie film and to take two to three years to actually get the first project done yeah. mm-hmm. is kind of it's kind of crazy but i think now if we planned I mean, better we could have done that sooner yeah, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh i mean i think that's a good place we'll we'll we'll, we'll finish off on the rest of your la story um next week but i think that the the interesting takeaway and, and it's something that i think i would talk about a lot too is is probably one of the most important things is when you're trying to break in the in, into the industry in any in any way is to network and i think that whether you're taking option one where you take the shitty job and you're used, working your own projects or you go into an industry job and you're basically working on other people's projects or you're just wealthy 
all of them are about networking and you're going to find people out there. And if you're not in LA, I mean, like and we can talk about it in a future episode, we'll talk about the dead Harvey years where after all this, we, we created a blog when blogs were brand new about indie film um, and then do, do it some other, but networking is really the biggest thing you can do to leverage because by the time you made that first indie film, you knew a bunch of people and you can network. So I would think, I mean, a big takeaway that if you're, if you, if you're listening is that, uh, you really got to build your network. You always got to be working right. that and, and, and you can do it any way you can. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also too, time was, goes by when you go there too. So there's a thing that a lot of people talk about and that I noticed too, I was kind of unaware of it before somebody mentioned this to me, but LA is kind of like the twilight zone. So the, you're in a perpetual loop. There's always sunshine. It's always similar weather. So it seems like the same day is repeating itself over and over again. So you're not aware of time changing as much. So it makes it even, so it makes it very easy to be stuck in the same kind of place. So, yeah, so it really is a good idea to to plan before you go and decide when you're going to make so, because you could get caught up being there for a while before you make anything. Yeah. And it's, it is, but it is true like that, that loop, but it's also why it's like you go to LA. It's interesting how, there's people like it's okay to be in LA and be 50 years old, single living in a, living in an apartment. And, 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 uh, and that's still, it's like, Oh man, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like, Oh, I'm a bartender, 53 years old, living in an apartment by myself. It's like, except okay, nowadays you'd have four roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, that's what I mean. It's like, they'd be like, Holy wow. You've got, yeah. you have your own place, but it's just LA is weird that way where it's like, and and that 55 year old looks like he's 35 right like that's mm-hmm. it's it's it, la is weird in that way that it is kind of a time time trap uh but i think what we'll do is we'll, we'll that'll be kind of the mid break on 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 your story uh we've got you to la and now making your first project and there were more projects and more learnings after that for sure um and uh we'll stop there but at uh yeah so anyhow that's uh that'll be the end of the show but i think uh hopefully these are the kind of stories that we want to talk about we want to give little tidbits uh but we want to build our community uh we want to build we want to have more people subscribing we want people to our email newsletters we want to uh, get more people on social because we really think building a community here is what we need to do and we want um and we also feel that like eventually we don't know where this is going to go, but we want to grow this and maybe we can get into helping other uh, companies. We've been through a bunch. Maybe we can, maybe we can work this into something where we're producing films or maybe we're, we're reaching into our community to find projects and we're connecting people to make, get projects get made because that's really what we want to do is, is help filmmakers by telling stories and, and, and giving them the path and trying to light that path. But also when projects do get made, let's shine a light on those and get as many eyeballs as possible on those. So, um, I think that's really, that's really what this is all about. So hopefully, uh, you know, people are listening and following and uh, we can grow this community and uh, keep things going. And next week we will continue your story and we'll find out what happens after the van, because there's at least a couple, there's a, there's a couple semi-celebrity run-ins. There's, there's a, a lot of learnings and, and more projects that got made. Yep. Just keep getting learned over and over and over. <laughs> that's what they say. Failure isn't failure. It's learning. And, and, mm-hmm. and there's so much learning that's happened over, over the last uh, 20 years. It's, it's, um, we've got to share it somewhere, right? Yep. Absolutely. Now the technology is all different. So you got to learn all over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. And so right. In, until uh, next week, please subscribe, go out there and make that movie six in the morning. So we don't have to. <laughs>